1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back. 94 WIP, John Johnson with you on a fine Saturday evening in the Delaware Valley. And the Eagles continue to make the headlines. You're well removed from the draft, although it's a conversation piece. More news comes out concerning the offensive line. And nice enough to join us this evening covering the Philadelphia Eagles for NBC Sports Philly, Dave Zingaro. What's up, Dave? Hey, John. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm okay. It is, um, I mean, it's a blessing and and a curse at the same time. And the know, where we are as a country right now, it's great that the NFL went through with the draft, and it's been a great conversation piece for all of us concerning the Eagles. Uh, But as we move, uh, and although we may revisit that during our conversation here, um, uh, it was just, I guess, the other day, uh, your colleague at NBC Sports Philly, Derek Gunn, uh, on uh, Quick Slants, uh, talked about how Jason Peters very well could be coming back uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles and how he would only do so as a starter. When you first heard this, Dave, were you surprised by this, or did this maybe come more expected than uh, outsiders would think?
0: Well, I'll put it this way. Um, Jason Peters is still out there, and we kind of know what a lot of people in an organization think about him, Um, starting with the owner and the head coach and some other really powerful voices from within that building. Uh, They love Jason Peters, and Gunnar's right. I mean, if Jason Peters comes back, he's not coming back to be a backup, you know, Um, because from a football standpoint, I think he's probably the better player right now between him and Andre Dillard, and, you know, Jeff Stalin always says, the offensive line coach always says it's his responsibility to get the five best out there, and if Peters is on the team, he's one of the five best, so if he's back, he's starting, um and and you know, but if he's back, you have a kid that you traded up a few picks in the first round to get who's i just call him a kid he's twenty five right. so um it, it's not like he's still twenty two years old he he's He should be starting this year, and if he's not um things haven't gone to plan.
1: Right, and you know we've all been discussing this year's draft, which just ended a week ago, uh, which is such controversy in questioning how he's decision-making, and now we're revisiting the year prior. I mean, did Dillard, I, I saw, I mean, I know he allowed the most amount of sacks of any offensive lineman, and he played sparingly. Did he look as bad as those numbers suggest last year?
0: No, no. I, I mean, there were, no matter when he played, there were always going to be some growing pains with any rookie but I, I thought the three games he played at left tackle, he did okay. He did enough things there for me to think he he's probably ready for this job next year when Jason Peters moves on. Um, you know, the the right tackle debacle, that's what it was, probably didn't sit well with the team. Um and maybe in my evaluation I didn't take that into account enough, but I figured if if he played well enough at left tackle, I'm gonna kinda just forget The right tackle stuff but my guess is the organization probably didn't like his um his view on that and the way he handled it he had kind of a defeatist attitude about that whole thing Mm. which you know it it probably didn't sit well with people because so many guys on offensive line are like you know "I'll, i'll play wherever you need me to play just give me the time this is a rookie coming in um I, I thought that he didn't have the best attitude about that, you know. And it's one thing to be honest and say, "Hey, it's really difficult. It's like writing with the other hand, but I'm going to do my best and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and, and I'm gonna give it everything I have this week, I think I'm going to be okay." But he didn't say that. He, he kind of seemed like he was going to struggle, and then he did struggle. So um, I'm sure that plays a role in it.
1: Well, am I correct uh, when, when I heard that you know Howie? Uh, Before they traded up and drafted him, which a lot of people were surprised by, he uh, never interviewed him or anybody interviewed him from the Eagles prior to drafting him. Is that right?
0: Uh, Well, they they did have some contact with him, uh, but my understanding is they did not do as much homework on him as they did with guys they really thought were reasonable for where they were drafting. And Diller was a case where he was available much later than they anticipated. So, yeah, they didn't do as much homework on him as they did some of their other first-round targets. Uh, But Jeff Stoutland loved him, at least from an athletic standpoint. And they loved him from an athletic standpoint. And uh, when the opportunity arose, they thought, this is a kid we thought was going to be a top 15 pick. We can get him in the 20s. Let's go and do this. So, I don't know. I I guess <laughs> well, there's something to that, but, you know, you have to be prepared in the draft if things like that do happen.
1: Right. And uh, I know you've written about this for uh, for NBC Philly as well as other things that happened in this year's draft, which we're about to get to. And I, 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 I'm revisiting this. You, you basically answered this, but I have to follow it up with this question. You know, at the end of this past season. It's Eagles seem to make it clear that all right, you know, the the Jason Peters era of Eagles football is over. He'll be in the Hall of Fame one day, we'll celebrate his career. But that time has come to where Andre Dillard has to take over. They have not played a game since. What changed? Well, I don't know if things changed,
0: honestly. I think maybe the perception changed, but you know, when they let Jason Peters walk, when they, they said we're not gonna re sign him before uh free agency begins I was told that they were going to keep in contact with him and and see what happens. So they didn't completely shut the door. Um, When they said that, and when his side said that, we all kind of thought they're saying this because they want to keep it cordial. And we all kind of know that they're cutting ties, but it turns out they were serious. (laughs) Turns out, um, you know, if Peters doesn't land somewhere else, the Eagles would be happy to have him, And that means you have a first round pick, backing him up for the second
1: straight year. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, um, Dave Zangaro, nice enough to join us this evening. Now, Dave, uh, looking back at this past this draft, which ended a week ago, and it's been such a conversation piece for beyond just the second-round pick, for a team that needed several holes filled in terms of starters or immediate impact players who will play considerable downs, um, what exactly did Howie get?
0: Uh, he got a lot of upside. Um, <laughs> I think Rager has the ability to step in and do some things just because he's so athletic and explosive. But I don't know if he's as NFL-ready as some of the other guys they could have taken. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gone through the Jalen Hurst thing a bunch, and I I really don't anticipate him playing a huge role this year, even if they find some snaps for him. And the third-round pick is a project. He's a guy who didn't play high school football, and he played two years at Colorado. And before that, Juco. So I, I don't know what's realistic for him this year. And then you have to remember that all these rookies are going to be behind it a little bit because there's not going to be a rookie minicamp. There's not going to be OTAs. Um, and they're going to have to kind of have a crash course in training camp if there is a training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe from you can take that one of two ways. In the Eagles' case, they have these guys who are already projects who are going to be further behind. Or you can say – hey, every rookie is going to be far behind this year. At least the Eagles have the most upside. And my guess is they're selling themselves on that. Um, But, yeah, it's hard to find a ton of immediate contributors from this draft. Uh,
1: Dave, one of the – those who are uh, of the opposite opinion that I have had over the past week in terms of uh, when I I make the comment – You know, Howie Roseman really didn't help out Carson Wentz much in terms of giving him immediate help for this upcoming season outside of uh, their first-round pick, who I don't think he's clearly not a number one wide receiver, and he's a bit of a project. You don't know how much of an impact he's going to have. The response that I get is, well, they grabbed a bunch of wide receivers in the final day of the draft. They have a ton of speed. I don't know why you don't think they're not going to help Carson Wentz out right away. Uh, Dave, as someone who is around the team all year round, what would you say to that?
0: Well, I mean, they did help him a little bit. You, you, they try the, they're they trying the Marquise Goodwin thing. I, I don't know what he has left in that knee. I'm not sure they do either. Uh, and then you're right. They, they landed two guys in day three. One was a, a fifth-round pick, one was a sixth-round pick. Typically, those guys, it, it's a real crapshoot for them. You, you don't know what you're going to get. In this draft, I guess the argument can be made that it was so deep a receiver. In a normal year, maybe these guys go in an earlier round, so I think there's a chance one of them could help out this year, but I just, I agree with you from a standpoint that you can't really rely on contributions from day three picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean you won't get them. It doesn't mean Quez Watkins won't just wow and, and be amazing from day one, but it's the odds are really stacked against you. Um, they, they did help him. I mean, to say they didn't help them, isn't fair because they did use their first round pick on a receiver, but their day two pick doesn't help them. Their day three pick probably won't play a lot this year, at least their, their third round pick. Uh, fourth rounder is a, a safety that he'll play a little bit. Next fourth rounder was a a guard tackle, maybe center reserve mm-hmm. lineman. Um, <laughs> and then they waited until day three to get those weapons. It's not that it didn't help them. It's that they didn't get him a bunch that he can really rely on.
1: Right, right. Um, I, I, Dave, I, I gotta go back to it because it's talked about every single day. It is such a topic of controversy. I, you know, a, ha, you've now had time to let it sink in, and you've uh, hinted at it in, in a lot of what we've just talked about already, but how do you see Jalen Hurts used in his rookie year? Uh,
0: sparingly. I just... I think that they will find ways to use him. I think that um, he is an intriguing player, and they're going to get him on the field. I, I don't. Do you know think he'll be much. on the
1: active roster?
0: I think so. You know, and but that also means that they're probably going to have to carry three quarterbacks into games, right? Because. I anticipate Nate Sudfeld will still be the backup quarterback this year. So, um, they're going <laughs> to if they're going to use a roster spot on, they better find a way to get him into games. And I'm, I'm skeptical, and it's, I'm intrigued too. Like, don't get me wrong. No, no, I'm it's intrigued. it's
1: a great talking point. It, it, it's so bizarre and something we never saw coming.
0: Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how they use him. I think there are opportunities. Um, but I got to, like, so Taysom Hill is the comparison. and It's not a fair comparison, really, but it's all we have, really, right? Like, a, a quarterback-type player who gets on the field and gets some snaps and is productive. I don't know about you, but sometimes I watch the Saints, and I get really irritated when they put Taysom Hill in right? because it takes the ball out of Drew Brees' hands. Sometimes it works, but, man, you have Drew Brees. Like, <laughs> I, sometimes it feels like they force-feed Taysom Hill. And that doesn't mean it doesn't work all the time, but um, I'm interested to see how it goes in Philly. I, I think there are some innovative things they can do and they have pretty good coaches on offense. Um, so maybe they figure this out, but I, I just can't imagine he plays. I mean, Taysom Hill, and, and again, and not a, a completely fair comparison. He played about 15 snaps a game in 2019, and that was his third year with the Saints. Is Can we really expect Jalen Hurst to play that much? I I, I probably don't think
1: so. Well, this leads into, and I have two more questions for you, this leads into a, a follow-up to that. Um, I guess it was yesterday I, I sent you a text from uh, with a quote that, from Howie Roseman that I didn't know if it was true or not. And, in fact, in, in his um, media tour, He was on with Pro Football Talk, and he made that exact quote saying, we want to have two of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. That's the goal. And when I hear him say something like that, which you know he's jotting this down before saying it, that's not off the cuff. He, he, He wants to make sure that's very clear. And you add in what Doug Peterson had to say, what Press Taylor has had to say about being multiple throwers on the field, and that's maybe the future of the NFL. Um, do you think they're going to use him in an even larger role than a Taysom Hill? That that may be their ultimate plan.
0: If if that's their plan, I give them credit because that's gonna. Uh, we're talking about a plan that would change football, right? Really. Yes, I mean, and, right. And it's 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 hard to, it's hard to think that that's really their plan. I, I think their honest plan is to have a really good backup quarterback. Um, to think that <laughs> they're gonna just if they do it. We'll, we'll all have to eat our words, right? Like, if, if they change football and they they figure out an offense with two quarterbacks and they just start stunning defenses, then I'll give them credit for it. But I don't know. I, I think that at certain times you can do things like that. I saw um, Darren Orlovsky kind of drew up a, a play on Twitter. And it's intriguing, the idea of having, like, double RPOs his play basically had Carson and shotgun um, with Hertz flank to his left mm-hmm. and it, it was basically like a, an RPO read the linebacker if it's if the linebacker uh, drives you, you throw a quick slant if not Hertz gets the ball Hertz comes across the formation then Hertz has his own read if if he has the, the throw, he takes the throw. If not, he takes off. Like that, It's intriguing to think about that stuff and their legal plays, but it hasn't really been done. So to think that the Eagles are going to just change football, I'm really skeptical of that.
1: Right. No, it's fantasy. It's something you do in a video game, not in real life. And that's why this. You know, they have opened themselves up to this type of um, criticism slash curiosity by doing something that most teams never, ever do. Um, uh, Dave. Final question I have for you. Uh, we none of us are health experts. We listen to the health experts. Um, you know, you speak to the team officials. Uh, you know, weekly. Uh, based on what we know right now, do you think there will be a, a mini camp or anything leading? Uh, do you think uh, things will go on as scheduled leading up to training camp, or can you foresee uh, a lot of these off-season activities where it gets rookies acclimated uh, canceled because of what's going on?
0: Well, I will say that this is kind of my own take on it. Um, my my best guess is that we do not have OTAs, and training camp is really the first time the teams are together. I mean, this is about – May is when OTAs typically start. Um, and it leads up to a – normally the, the mandatory mini camp is in mid-June. I think it was June 11th through like the 14th. Mm -hmm. last year um right now we're we're in the beginning of may so it's hard to imagine that changing and and the nfl has set up their virtual off-season plan with the possibility of still having in-person minicamps but they can't do that until every nfl team can do it based on the guidelines of their state Mm. so even if Pennsylvania lifts all restrictions, and the Eagles could get to their facility. They're still not allowed to, if the Cardinals can, or if right. you know whatever team right. can't do it. So, from it, it, it's hard for me to imagine that within the time span, and they have to. And any off-season workouts have to end by June 29th this year, based on the agreement the NFL and NFLPA came up with. So, unless things change between then and give them enough window to figure this all out, I think we're probably stuck with these virtual workouts, virtual OTAs, um, and that'll have to just suffice until they get to training camp, and then we'll see what happens
1: then. His name is Dave Zangaro, covers the Philadelphia Eagles for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, if you uh, To follow him on Twitter for the latest Eagles news, links to all his stories, it's at the letter D, Zangaro, NBCS. Also, uh, links to the Eagle Eye podcast with he and our very own Ruben Frank. Dave, thanks, man. I appreciate it.